Welcome to the second season of the Digital Dialogue series from the Order of the Golden Rule, a podcast by, for, and about the independent funeral home profession. I'm Jerry Oliveri, owner and manager of Oliveri Funeral Home and a licensed funeral director for 35 years. I'll be your host for this season. Our theme this year is What's Your Edge? as we focus on how you can develop and leverage the edge you have over your competition. Today's guest is Andrew Lose, an OGR member from Heartland Cremation and Burial Society. Andrew says he somewhat fell into the funeral profession, but has now been in it for more than 25 years and can't imagine a life without it. Unlike a lot of people outside the funeral industry, they don't really understand uh, what the day-to-day of, a, of the funeral business is like and, and how rewarding it can be and um, how you're not really working with the dead, you're working with the living. Andrew will discuss his own edges over his competition, from the truly unique, like a speakeasy in the basement of his funeral home, to something as simple as Twizzlers. Stay with us. OGR's Digital Dialogue Series is brought to you by The Dodge Company, the world's largest manufacturer and distributor of preparation room supplies and an OGR-endorsed supplier. Learn more at dodgeco.com. That's D-O-D-G-E-C-O.com. Today, my guest is Andrew Los. So, Andrew, what motivated you to become a funeral director? I don't know that I was ever motivated one. I married a fourth generation funeral director. She was my junior high sweetheart, high school sweetheart. We grew up in a little town together and um, went to college together, went off and we were doing our own thing. Her father rolled into my company when I was about 24 years old and said, uh, we're looking at buying another funeral home in the metropolitan Kansas City area. I'd love to have you consider uh, being a part of the family business. And at that time, it was the early 90s. Uh, no cell phones, no FaceTime, no emails. And uh, I, yep, I was traveling a lot. My <laughs> wife was a visual merchandiser, so she worked crazy retail hours. And we thought at least we would be together. And so we jumped in head first into this little bitty funeral home in Raytown, Missouri. And then um, that was in 94. And then in 2001, we trans- kind of transformed it from a small neighborhood uh, traditional funeral home that did somewhere around 75 to 85 traditional funerals a year to a cremation society focused on the cremation market uh, value proposition funerals and we uh, have grown it quite a bit over the last 20 years and we're proud of it now so when you met liz and then your i guess was it your future father-in-law or your father-in-law yeah yeah all right so what was your reaction though to the funeral business in a whole because you weren't really have family in the business or had your feet wet in it yet so were you like a little hesitant or yeah i actually really like that question um i you know as as life is i had a grandfather that passed away when i was 10 had a massive heart attack died um went to his funeral was a hyper kid got in big trouble i remember the funeral and thinking back now how disrespectful i was and and how what a bad day that was for my mom. Um, but as I look through that experience, um, um, I kind of see some of the things in there that were really um, helpful for the family. And then in high school, I had a, a kind of a distant family member, a kind of a um, 
a half great uncle that had passed away that was that worked at this high school and the high school and everybody knew at the high school and, and so it was kind of a big funeral but besides this little town and going in and out of the funeral home and dating the funeral home's kid um, I didn't really have a I didn't really have an impression of it never really thought one way or another I, I, I think what I thought was is I never I want I never wanted to do it I'm like a lot of people outside the funeral industry they don't really understand uh, what the day-to-day -day of, of the funeral business is like and, and how rewarding it can be and um, how you're not really working with the dead you're working with the living and and I, I have a degree in public relations and so I was academically and and by by probably birth trained to be around people and be be with people and 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 um, be I'm a good communicator and so I don't know I mean it was I I I, I guess it was pretty indifferent I I didn't have I hadn't yet formed a real strong opinion way or one way or another I I pretty much knew that this was not what I wanted to do that wasn't the plan I did kind of stumble into it. And 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 it's I'm in I'm celebrating my 25th year or 26th year this year, and um, I, it's, it's just unbelievable that I I couldn't imagine a life without it, which is what's so right. ironic. Which is so ironic, really. Yeah, 26 years—that's a really long time. Yeah. Tell us about some of your hobbies and stuff about being a bartender and the making well, stuff and how you incorporated that and into a speakeasy. And, I mean, you have a passion for that. I do. It's kind of funny. I, I, I've always been really uh, attracted to the hospitality industry and um, never really worked in hospitality, which is really uh, in, um, ironic. Um, all my experience prior to being in the funeral business was in retail. I was one of those uh, kids that worked on the, on the town square in a, in a haberdashery, uh, carried groceries out in a grocery store, worked in mom and pop. So I really never worked in a restaurant or a bar. Um, I, I actually, um, after I graduated college, I thought I wanted to get into convention work. So I went to work for the convention hotel and was um, worked on the, worked as in the work with the night auditor and the night shift at the front desk and actually got fired after a week and a half. Oh I think it was the right thing. They abandoned uh, our biggest, the, the, the convention hotel's biggest clients. And I, and I woke the, the man up that drove the van out to the little airport, came back, gave them drink tickets and got fired for giving them drink tickets to make them happy. And so I, I you know, I, 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 I love hospitality when my, when my, and, and, and I'm a big fan of, 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 of that world. I kind of pattern, our funeral business a little bit about real similar to a lot of the hospitality industry. And so five, six, seven years ago, I, 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 my, my love of, 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 um, uh, spirits turned into craft cocktails, which turned into, um, craft, you know, uh, built, designing those cocktails, having, having smaller parties. And it, and I have a friend that him and I have, uh, we have a small uh, cocktails for a cause um, style speakeasy um, program that we do for, for, you know, we raise money for, um, we, raised, we just got done doing an event. We raised $3,500 for something called the Rainbow Center. Mm -hmm. And then we've, we've collected six, seven van loads with the toys for Operation Toy Soldier. At Christmas time, we do a prohibition 
uh, end a prohibition party in the basement of the funeral home, invite only, bring toys. And, and so it's just kind of one of my little funny little side things keeps, keeps the creative side of my brain uh, stimulated while, while I. Is that marketing menu? Yeah. Yeah. It's marketing. (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's just. But is it called till death speak easy? It's called till death actually. Yeah. 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 (laughs) We, but see, uh, so you do these little fundraisers like a month or just like on like every quarter, like or we do one every year on December 5th, which is when prohibition ended. Uh, oh, tie in the date, got it. Okay, so it's not just really a holiday season, that's when prohibition ended. That's right. I see the poster on your wall. That's right. So we have a repeal, <laughs> we have a repeal day uh, event every year on December 5th, and I Ironically, the funeral home that I that I run and work and we bought in 94 was owned by a Southern Baptist family um, who had the funeral home, I mean, basically across the street from the largest Baptist church in, in the suburbs. And the men used to sneak over and tell their wives that they had a men's meeting or a deacon's meeting. Mm-hmm. They would drink in the basement of the funeral home with the, fu- with the funeral director that owned it at the time, who was a Southern Baptist deacon in the same church since they couldn't drink at home, out in public. And so as we kind of remodeled the funeral, we uncovered this little Baptist speakeasy. And so that's kind of where we've, we've kind Great. of revived that. And we have yeah, it that history. Movie. It's there. Yeah. yeah. And so it's it's kind of there. It's our little and the till death just came from the, you know, just the just the idea of a, is a funeral home. And then, the, the you know, everybody loves till death do us part, which is a great right, which is a great commitment we have to friends and family and and our passions and those kinds of things. So now I just want to be a little bit nosy. What is like um, some of the drinks you make and what, and what are their names? Like, to like, how do you name them and stuff like that? I'm, I'm sure it all ties in. Uh, we invented a cocktail. One of my, one of my favorite ones we invented is called my professor's coffee. And I had a college professor. His name was Dr. Edwards. He taught chemistry in uh, when I was getting my undergraduate. And I started out as a, uh, started out pre-med in college and um, he taught inorganic chemistry and he wore this really bad cologne that was kind of leathery smelling and he smoked and he drank coffee from the same coffee cup that was stained and so we built a we built a tequila based um cocktail that's uh that has um bitters in it that smell like leather they're called havana hide bitters there's a egg white that gives it a little bit of foam we add espresso to it um, and then we spritz it with a little bit of, of, of a kind of a floral, a floral um, a spray over the top of it. It's kind of a foamy drink, and we serve it in a mug as a kind of a tribute. That's his, you know. Those and it looks like a coffee. coffee. Yeah, my professor's coffee. It's co- it's a coffee, tequila, leathery, botanical kind of crazy thing. And we have our most famous drink. We do is a um, is a uh, Boulevardier uh, that we that we actually pour over. Um, coffee grounds, uh, freshly ground coffee grounds, and then it drips through. And so it's a, it's a coffee flavored Boulevardier. And we have a whole apparatus that does that. You can smell, and it's a way to bring kind of the aromas in and there's a little bit of theater, theater to it. Um, but we kind of stick a lot to the classics, Manhattans and old fashions. We've invented pretty much every variation of those. We even have a YouTube channel called uh, Till Death, the Speaky, the Academy. If you go out to YouTube and you type in T-I-L-D-E-A-T-H, the Academy, uh, we teach people how to build some of the classic cocktails. We have two videos done, one on the Manhattan, 
uh, one on uh, old fashions and how to flame oranges. And we're working on a tiki inspired one about Mai Tais. And we just finished filming one at a distillery that features Irish themed uh, distillates that we're going to, that I've started to cut together and we're going to put up there. So it's kind of a, I do have a fun passion project. Yeah. So I go to like a Girl Scout event every year. And um, so they developed my favorite drink now. It's called um, a Thin Mint Martini. Oh, yeah. Y have you ever had it? Because, I mean, Girl Scouts is worldwide. So. Sure, sure. I've had a yeah. cocktail that's, that's designed, that's, that tastes a lot like a Thin Mint. Thin Mint. I mean, yeah, it's so yeah. good. I love well, it. I'm good. always like, can you make a Thin Mint? <laughs> thin Mint cookie, Thin Mint Martini. I'll do anything Thin Mint. Yeah. I love them. Drink it, eat it, whatever, right? Yeah. <laughs> So there's one more thing that really I was uh, when doing my research that I was um, interested in. You do this like virtual camp out event. So a big part of how we grew our company was by um, building a relationship mm -hmm. with people that could refer us. And so uh, in my consulting career, I own a, a consulting company called Cremation Consulting as well. Where, where my business partner and I, who's an OGR member as well, we we coach about 25 non-competing uh, firms um, that are focused on the, the growth part of our market, which is the which is the cremation side of our of our business. And one of the one of our trade really big initiatives is this is something we call influencing those who influence others, getting the ability to be authentic to people that might be able to to put us in a place with their with the families that they serve as a referral. So it, it's the gamut from uh, folks at folks at the VA hospital all the way through the caregiving community. And so we put together something a couple falls ago, pre-COVID as a way, I have these funny little cremation, three little cremation arrangement centers, and they're really small square footage footprints. And so rather than de-emphasize the, the size of them and make them feel insignificant as it relates to the bigger brand, like our headquarters in, in Raytown, we actually kind of make a big fuss over them. So we throw these kind of little events around these square footage where you can't really have the party inside. You have to do something outside. outside. So we did a, we did a, we did a fire pit and camp chairs and rolled up uh, polar fleece um, blankets that were, that were branded. We raffled the chairs off. We gave the blankets away. We had little kits in lunchbox in the soft side of lunchbox that were s'mores. Um, and we just had a camp out. And then during the camp out, a virtual camp out, which lasted just a couple hours in the early evening of the fall. We actually took people in groups through our um, cremation arrangement centers on tours and made a big deal about going into a two room room and out like you would with like a docent would at a, at a museum. Oh, and then yeah. we come back and it was a great way to kind of create some really good buzz for our brand, but not be apologetic about a, a four, one of our one of our arrangement centers is 475 square feet. It's the smallest, right. one of the smallest licensed funerals in the state of Kansas. So it's right. a way. It's but a way it does to its job. Customers. Yeah, it does its job, right? Right. All right. Well, we're going to take a short break now with Andrew, and then when we come back, we're going to talk about his uh, cremation consulting partnership. So we'll be right back. Awesome. Education is in our roots at the Dodge Company. Shortly after acquiring their first embalming chemical company in the late 1800s one of the Dodge brothers started traveling the country teaching men and women across the United States how to embalm. A few years after that, they purchased an embalming school to broaden their work. 
Education remains important to us today, supporting Golden Rule Funeral Homes through contributions toward OGR continuing education and professional development programming. Learn more at dodgeco.com. That's D-O-D-G-E-C-O.com. All right, welcome back, everybody. Andrew is back with us, and he's going to talk to us about his cremation consulting partnership with OGR. So tell us about that, Andrew. Um, in 2010, Jim Rudolph, who's the owner and founder of uh, Veterans Funeral Care in Clearwater, Florida, he was my uh, coach in 2001 to help me bring, um, to t transform the little Hinton Funeral Home, which was the family funeral that we spoke about earlier, transforming that brand into the, into the cremation-focused world. He is one of the, he's, uh, in my opinion, one of the top, one of the most important outliers in the cremation business coming from uh, National Cremation, the SCI division that did tens of thousands of cremations in Florida. When he left to become kind of a teacher, he was the first person out in funeral service really talking about um, cremation may be the future uh, of our industry. And what one of my favorite quotes of his is, cremation is a consumer-driven event where funeral, the funeral business was very much, is still, in some cases, families come to a funeral home, they're looking for a director to direct them, take them through something that's, that's traditional or, 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 um, modified, uh, modified tradition. Yeah. Yeah. Modified tradition. They're, but essentially, essentially the, the, the a trad a traditional funeral home kind of takes people through kind of what they've done in, in during that time, whether it's, you know, those five years, 10 years or 15 years, the cremation customer really drives the bus. They really, they really tell you what they want. Um, mm -hmm. They know because they're in control. Once the disposition's done, they're in control of their loved one. Whether they have a service with you or a celebration of life or someplace else or don't do anything at all. It really, it really is a type of disposition that gives them a lot of, um, a lot I of. I think it's also them. driven by social media, YouTube and other things they see. Girls, maybe more Pinterest stuff like that. Sure, 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 sure. So, so in so he we helped he helped me divide a kind of a scheme Heartland, and we brought it to market. Um, we grew pretty significantly over those ten years, and he he ran a small uh, group called the Cremation Society Owners Conference, which was some of the original cremation societies in America. And um, each year, I would get just a little bit more and a little bit more. Um, of the of time at the at this meeting, uh, uh, speaking and teaching and bringing some curriculum, and in 2010, he, you know, uh, he he came to me and said, you know, listen, I think I think your your what we did for you and what you've been teaching our friends at at the owners conference really could be a consultancy, and so we formed a, a, an official consultancy in 2010. And we've brought about 20 or so firms to market in that time. We work with about two a year. Um, we don't, we're not convention speakers. We don't exhibit at conventions. And so all of our clients come from um, referrals. They come from places, mm -hmm. from, from people who are looking uh, for making, to, for looking for either creating something different as a part of their funeral mm -hmm. home. Or, to stand out. To stand out. Yeah, they're looking at that. They're looking at that particular 
customers. Because otherwise, we're all doing cremations. What? Why should they come to me? Right, right, right. 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 So, and then when you say you only do like one or two a year, and that's because you're giving them the undivided attention and you're not trying to mass produce these and franchise it all over. They're all bespoke. Really, the secret to our success is we're looking at the firm's unused capacity. You know, if a funeral home has a phone and a building and a car and a van and people, there are there are there's time in their day that they could add business. They all want to add business. They just don't know how to do it. So we look right. at their unused capacity. We look at the individual. A lot of times it's the owner, their skill set, their talent, the gifts that God gave them, and we're taking that, pairing those two together, and then finding a niche in their market to go after a place where we know we can get something sustainable growing. We pull those things together and create a bespoke plan that's two years long and pretty um, pretty intensive to build out this this new, whatever this new division is, either it's a rebrand or a new company, a, a, a secondary, maybe a, maybe a, maybe an entire di different division of their company. And we're taking them through that process at the end of two years. Um, sometimes they graduate, they, they, they say great. And they, they become a, 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 a member in good standing at our think tank. We have every fall that it's that, uh, that people hold their seats at the think tank. And sometimes they, they, they say, listen, we want you to stay around and we, we continue to write business plans and, and train and write public relations plans for them. But um, it's all focused on, it's all focused on getting the funeral industry out of this race to the bottom for price. Race to the bottom. Exactly. Yeah. It's about creating right. a sustainable cremation company focused on what the consumer wants and being profitable. And, and the funeral yeah. being profitable, so it's a so, little. So, unique. do you travel then, or do you I do, do a lot of this virtual? You travel. You go. Yeah, I like to travel. I like to, to get know to their area, yeah. what their, uh, you know, the different market is, the competitors and stuff like that. You really get very deeply involved in this. I do. I, I yeah. When I travel, I, we do a couple days at their location before we even take them as a client. We call it analysis, and that gives us an opportunity to give them. A little bit of, of a, a little bit of flavor of what we do, but really what we're doing is we're looking at their their ability to 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 to, uh, to win to really do this well. There are mm -hmm. some folks that it it's it's not a good match. Um, rarely do we go on an analysis that we don't. Be, usually by the time we get to the analysis, um, we we have an enthusiastic person and a and a market that we either already know or. We've kind of done our own research, and then at the end of the two days, we give them a we give them an analysis and kind of give them a prescription of where to go from there. And then from there, we're we're usually launching a new brand, a new logo. Um, we're doing training. We're we're building out an entire uh, brand infrastructure that's focused on this cremation piece that might be missing in their marketplace. And sometimes it's not first to market. Sometimes it's third, fourth, fifth to market. But there's always there's always a there's a lot of rungs on that ladder still, because it's the fastest growing part of our industry still. Mm -hmm. Will be for a long time. Yeah. So you were the first in your area to have the cremation society and everything all in one uh, on its own and operating in the greater yeah. city area. So becoming the first of anything in your area always has its own unique challenges. What was the process like for you and how did you expand your business from there? Yeah, the, the, probably the biggest challenge was was scaling. You know, we went from we went from a, a sleepy little funeral home with with two employees, my wife and I and a, and a part time make, kind of a maintenance person, driver, car, you know, that type of thing. Right. To to um, within a couple of years, we owned our own crematory. 
and we were we were doing triple the calls we were doing and so in 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 20 years we've grown we're almost we're pushing up on a thousand calls um and so um scaling that doing that profitably continuing to find those places where we can inch you know take the price and and keep it competitive and and have a and still have a, a a market that's that that sees that as a value being profitable not adding too much staff so you 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 know it's it that balance is tough um one of the ironies that i didn't realize was becoming a little bit of a, a little bit of a pariah in my in my uh in my town you know the you know my kind of like sitting down in the row at continuing education and everybody standing up and leaving the row as if i invented cremation you know a lot of people see me as part of the problem and um they'll bump into me and say are you still doing that little cremation thing and i you know my response always back is we're all in the cremation business now you know even a traditional funeral home is 45 oh absolutely cremation so it's absurd for me that for them to to kind of look down their noses at at me um, but that, that, that's that, the biggest yeah. challenge is really scalability. Cause you know, a, a you know, a, a, a 75, 80 call funeral home that does a lot of two o'clock funerals is really different than, than a firm that's, that had five or six arrangement calls, a day, arrangement, um, a conferences a day and is, and has, you know, citywide logistics outside of one or two right. zip codes. Right. So that's always the challenge. Managing the vehicles and the employees and where right. they are not you know wasting time and road space where that's you right. that's right yeah yeah it's all logistics a lot of time it is i know that you do a lot for caregivers in your area and again in my research i discovered for families you serve you have for caregivers twizzlers you're their supplier and something about funeral home investigations with the paranormal Oh my goodness! You have are really you a little haunted good, over there, Andrew? Good sources. So uh, the Twizzler thing is, I love Twizzlers. I absolutely, I, I can't get out of a store, hardware store, grocery store, CVS, but that. I have Twizzlers in both glove boxes of, of both my cars. Um, <laughs> love them. Um, uh, can have I can have a couple and put them away now, uh, but I love them. So I've I've been buying big box, the big bulk ones that are individually wrapped for years, and taking them when I go places and if I drop off a death certificate or if I pop in just to say hi um, with a, in a hospice um, office, I always drop by a box and I always carry I always carry four or five in my car. So when I come in, I could refill their refill their box and then I've added stickers and different things on their boxes. And so I'm, I'm kind of known as the, uh, people know me uh, kind of almost like trick or treat. I carry Twizzlers around all the time. So <laughs> that's kind of my Twizzler story. Um, um, ghosts, that's, you know, uh, I, my wife and I, my wife and I are, uh, we love, we love the paranormal and spiritual side of, that's kind of one of our, uh, you know, just what we love for entertainment. Um, but I never really, it doesn't really, uh, I've never really, I didn't do it because I'm in the funeral business. It's something that both of us kind of loved prior to. And I don't, I don't think we have, you know, I, who knows if we have ghosts, you know, I don't think ghosts hang out in funeral homes. Having said that, um, we have had a couple families that have had um, ongoing paranormal investigations. They, that was their passion 
and they made commitments and, and pretty recently um, even had uh, uh, had one right prior an hour long paranormal investigation prior to the celebration of life in our chapel and it was pretty remarkable I have some uh, cell phone footage that that um, I'm, a, I'm a skeptic I mean I think all believers are skeptics that's what makes kind of kind of paranormal um, uh, in the spiritual side of our, our life is you know it's all it's all it's all the unknown, but I have some uh, some video, some cell phone video that would that was pretty amazing prior to that service. Um, some kind of call and response with some technology and and some um, really amazing um, coincidences that happened, kind of leading up to it. That that um, the fact that they were doing a paranormal investigation ahead of time would make you think that maybe they pop in prior to a service and, and check in and then check back out. I don't know. And then check it's, out. It's pretty interesting. It's pretty interesting. Just I, I making sure it's way I want it. Yeah, I think, I think a little bit of, differently now about that prior to, you know? Maybe we should maybe we should call out more and, and uh, when we're putting flowers up in the chapel and say, do you like them here? What do you think? And you know, maybe, we, maybe we might should uh, visit with those folks a little bit more. So after they left, do you like think about um, getting your own equipment just to see what's going on maybe? Or do fam <laughs> families make requests now or? Yeah, not on the price list yet. Not an not not price. offering. <laughs> Um, I, you know, certainly if you've been in the funeral business, people, that's one of the things people ask all the time. Do you see weird things? Do you hear weird things? What do you think? What do you believe? They tell you about stories at the end of life. You know, I, you know, my, the dog was barking at the corner and, you know, I, you know, do you believe this? I can, I was on my way here and I could smell my dad's cigarette smoke in my car, you know? And so validating, I think it's really important to validate, um, our family's feelings, whether no matter, no matter what you, what, if that happened or not, validating that that's what they felt is really important. I think, that, I think and it was most likely real for them. It was it, their experience. So right, right. And and whether it's real or it's not, I think I think it's not our job to to tell them that they're they shouldn't think that. And and especially if it gives them comfort, um, mm -hmm. uh, we certainly I certainly never tell a fib and say, oh yeah, that's that that happens to me. That's right. You know, I, and if someone gets into it and they want to know what I think and what I believe, we sometimes will have a conversation about uh, spirituality relate, you know, not related to religion. That's, that, that's unique to, to people that are in, 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 in the life, whether it's you're a hospice worker or you're a funeral director, or, you know, you're, you're kind of around all those things. And, and we certainly do see, um, we do see these things kind of come in patterns. So it's kind of hard to ignore. Um, so I've shared, I've shared those and, and, and sometimes that does give people relief and, and not sometimes, a lot of times it gives people relief. You can see they go, well, good. Yeah. I'm not crazy. I'm glad, I'm glad that happened. Right. It, it does validate that they're with me and I'm here and, and, and you get done with the arrangements and they go, thanks for letting me, thanks for not making fun of me for saying that. And so, mm -hmm. um, I think that's important. I think that's really, yeah. the most common I hear usually is the one where they're like, um, they waited for me. And then I said, it was okay, you know, to go. Yep. She said, they're holding their hand and they can feel the release. And, you know, yeah. that'd be very valid. It, it, again, and they say people can hear things in the coma. So it's almost right. like a coma like state. So, right. and the, I, you know, the longer I've done this, the more I have trusted that these, these, these those kinds of feelings um for people they are they are real to them 
Um, and to say, to not say they're real or for them to say they're grasping because they just lost someone is not really fair because whatever that manifestation that they've had is and they feel or they saw, um, it, it, it mostly gives them comfort. And, and right. why, would we, why wouldn't we want that as funeral directors? Why would we not? Right. Or, why wouldn't we want them to have that comfort? That comfort and that part of that grief process, however, right. each individual goes through it differently. There's no one path or way. So, I mean, I kind of, I kind of had decided a long time ago with the, with the TV um, folks, you know, the people that make their living um, on cable TV and, 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 and speaking to people on the other side. And, and you know, so many of those are so focused on people's grief that if they're, if that's just for TV, it's kind of a sick joke. It's because you have people not only that it seems like it's very real on there, but millions of people that are watching that later going out. I hope that's right and I hope that's real. And so I kind of suspended the, I, I kind of years and years ago um, had decided for myself that, that that that's not that that's not a that that's not not that that's not entertainment that there's there is production to it but those all that that's happening is real and what other people are experiencing while they're watching that the feeling about their own grief and their own loss is real so as it relates to the people that are right in front of me when i get a chance i'm gonna i'm gonna sit with them and be with them in that moment it's whether it's in a hallway or standing in the front conference room or whatever it usually happens when you're done you're holding the folder, they've got their folder, you're getting ready to open the door and they stop and they, they look for validation because they, they've, they, feel, they feel like you might understand. And if they feel that, that's probably the vibe you're giving off. And it's a good thing after all these years to still have, because yeah. I, when I meet with families, I'm just like this. I, I, don't, have a, I don't have another face. I, I, can't, right. I can't undo who I am. And Right. Does it match all the time? No, but for the most part, it really does. I mean, it really, I of course, people have changed too. They, there's, they're much more accepting of a, of something that doesn't look so. Right, right. The, the old <laughs> funeral director with the hat. and the, the, It's a great relief to all both of us. Yeah. yeah. We're normal. We do nice. have uh, a sense of humor. We have a favorite drink, you know. Yeah. Right. We are human too, you know. We suffer loss also. We yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. So we're going to take one more break and okay. then back, Andrew. We're going to talk about the forgotten dead and how you help them. Thanks. Some cases are painful. Some test every ounce of skill and experience and patience. But honestly, could you imagine doing anything else in this world? The family-owned and operated Dodge Company has been helping you make all the difference to your families since 1893. Dodge Cosmetics are the most widely used in the field and have been made by hand since the very beginning. We are proud to be an OGR endorsed supplier offering freight discounts to all OGR members. Learn more at shop.dodgeco.com. That's shop.dodgeco.com. All right, welcome back everyone. And I'm gonna to talk to Andrew about his article that was in the pitch 2007. Gosh. It does a lot for the remains that are happen to be forgotten. And those, they may not have any family. They may be homeless. They may be poor, but they're cremated. And after 30 days, he gives them dignity and death. So tell us about that program. So I love that article and I hate that article. Um, well, you tell us what you like and hate and what you want to correct. So 
I don't really want to correct anything because I'm a big believer in, in, in the press and how they perceive the interview. Um, having said that, the, 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 it's an, it's the, it's the, it's our community's alternative paper, um, which, which, you know, kind of, uh, is looking at pop culture and, 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 uh, um, lifestyle and that type of thing. So they, they actually were doing an investigative report. They saw that our company name was, was listed quite a bit on the indigent, um, listing for the county. And so they came to find out if we were scamming the county or we had an in or what the, what the situation was. And at the end of the day, what they found out was that, um, I was the only funeral home doing what, 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 um, the county could do for folks that were indigent and we were providing cremation and burial in a little local cemetery um and and trying to give a family as much dignity as possible not making them feel uh punitive in the process that that was something that they couldn't do and so once you know once we went out through the paperwork we were able to um, do the cremation and then give them back um, their loved one and direct them in a place where we didn't have expense and staff time set up a way for them to do scattering of their loved one in a, in some place where they could come back. And so I think I, I turned the guys, I turned the guys opinion. It ended up being a pretty good article uh, about that. Um, it was kind of the start at the start of Heartland. Uh, we were looking for places to, to grow our business. Um, you know, kind of these, um, you know, maybe underserved communities, uh, places, uh, uh, places, families that were forgotten by, uh, kind of the institutional funeral uh, world, and we f we found these families. The, in, the, in recent time, the county's changed, and now it's a bid process. Um, don't know if the article had anything to do with that, um, but now now you have to have the bid, and um, uh, it, you know it, it is. What How it, did you discover that these you know people were being just forgotten or left or not even taken care of. Um, did you stumble upon it or yeah, I did talking the, to the, someone? The, the medical examiner in our County had unclaimed folks. And in, in, when we started Heartland, so many of our early customers were disloyal people or, or people looking for any alternative. And so a lot of our early phone calls were, were phone calls that we've never, ever, we'd never received as a traditional funeral home, looking for price, looking for just, just really almost looking for um, some sort of social safety net. And because the county had one at that time, we were able to kind of love up on those folks and give them, give them some, some, some service and some dignity, fill that void and, 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 and fill some of our unused capacity um, and, and build a county for a small amount um, that could kind of get us some momentum when we were just starting out. Um, it's blossomed now, and we 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 now we now have a, a program called No Cost Cremation because we oh. don't have a social safety net in Kansas, Missouri, where we work with anatomical gift organizations, a couple non for profit ones, an osteopathic school, uh, several of the um, um, uh, uh, fresh tissue uh, organizations where we help kind of find the right match for a family. And in exchange for that gift, which we really promote as a, as a wonderful gift, not, not a have to, this gift of body that, 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 they, that the cremation will be provided. When we get back, they can, um, we've got a special memorial service that they have. And we, give, we try to give those, a lot of those families that same dignity. Um, and the good news we've seen from that is 
is the next time they're around, sometimes they've pulled themselves up by the bootstraps and they, they on the next time we work with them, they're, they're a paying customer, a self pay, a, you know, a private pay customer. And, and it was that, it was that rough time that, um, and that social safety net and us caring for them and not making them feel second right. class, third class or fourth class. Um, and it taught us a lot about it taught I some of this I, I saw staff that were that were with me now that were then when we were serving the, the these county indigent cases and in Kansas they were um, division family services um, okay. that still today have built on how, built how we care for people and how the equitable how equitable we are from family to family no matter what they pay and that's a that's a big part of our brand now what we're known for in the caregiving community and that really that really helps right. our, our so tells our story right so everyone has a right to grieve everyone deserves a sure. i mean and that's kind of what you're going for you know it's not about your wallet it's about your loss it is it is and again we have this time in the day equipment people phones buildings chapels cars it's not rolling all the time and um we should be we should be engaged in we shouldn't be engaged in some of this we can't i do you know what i i you know if i ever like i'm going back to my cremation consulting world if i ever call and tell me they want to be the least expensive cremation provider in town i say you can do that without me you don't need my coaching you're gonna be really really busy if you want to be the least expensive because there that there are customers that will that will that will do use that but if you can find a way to be profitable and be charitable at the same time without making your customers oh really really um some you some of your customers be that be um paying the 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 weight of those folks you're helping, you find a way you can do that in capacity rather than just dollars. You can you can serve your community, and and it's it's great for your. It really is good for marketing. Um, there there is a there is a for profit uh, purpose for it as well. Mm -hmm. I think it makes you feel good too. In the end, I sure. mean, you are helping people, and that's yeah. the goal. And that I think deep down, all funeral directors get into this business because they want to help. They do. I mean, we care for people, in yeah. that. but that cemetery, what is it? Broken cemetery that yep. you use? Well, do they have a contract too with the county or they, they, don't. they're on their, they yeah, were helping you, know, you, you had a relationship with them. Yeah. They, they are a couple blocks away. They were in a unique situation that it was, it wasn't a city cemetery. It wasn't a private cemetery. It wasn't a corporate cemetery. It was a little township kind of landlocked in the little township where we are. And I went to their board and they they uh, they gifted us a couple lots that they thought were going to be difficult in way future years to sell. And we created a little scattering garden there where we do scatterings and and uh, we offer people if they don't have a place to go, we we register the name there. And the cemetery allows us to to do second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, tenth right of interment over these spots. And it gives people a place to go back and go to. Um, we don't, you know, we, we, we tell people that if they want to have some place where they want to place a permanent memorial, uh, like a marker that they should consider a, a regular space and a headstone and a, or a columbarium. But if they, if it's a one-time thing or maybe an occasional go back to, and they just want to know that their loved one's not in their closet or, or passed around a family, but someplace that may be right. a little more sacred and, 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 uh, uh, safer that's the key word because three generations from now they're right. they don't know where they are 
People yeah, from I mean, closet, no, no, no. they come out and clean the house. They're in the garbage. You know, yep, I'm a karma guy. I my think my biggest fear. Me too. And yeah. and we, if you if you've been in the business long enough, you've, you know, we had we had we had matching urns show up the other day from a tow truck driver. They repossessed yeah. me, and, and we pulled the tag. One was ours. One was another firm, and we sold both the urns. And we found we we we. Went from obituary to obituary to Facebook to da da da. Direct message somebody. We had somebody in the family glad to come pick up those urns, and so that it just happens, you know. It just, just happens. Like, I know. As I tell people, I said, yeah, it's very important to you right now, and but four generations from now, when they have ten of them, <laughs> yeah, permanent place. You're sometimes really I feel the same way. Sometimes when I see a uh, one of those old cemeteries that that's stuck someplace, I. You know, I, 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 I always take a kind of a pause and, and hope and pray that someone's looking after that cemetery, you know, that it's, yeah. you know, not just the aggravation of a funeral, I'm trying to find somebody to take a grave there 500 years later or whatever, but just, just that, you know, somebody. There's at so much history there, there too. Yeah, yeah that was know? important. At least they're in the ground. At least they're there. They're not, they're not cruising around in a repossessed minivan. So I, so I just want to tweak that a little bit. So like for veterans since recently, you know, well, it's been a while now. Do you have like a veteran cemetery near you? Because any um, veteran that's not reclaimed, they'll let you take them there, even if you can't find discharge papers, but you know from history or articles or family that they are veterans, they'll, they'll take them. Yeah, because my business partner in the consulting world owns America's number one veterans uh, funeral home in America's only themed, you know, funeral home uh, uh, like it, uh, you know, vet, the veterans part of our business is it's in our DNA and always has been, always will be. And so um, that's one of the programs that, that we're really known for in our caregiver community is if someone's going to do a gift of body and we get the cremains back after the World Body Program, if they're a veteran, we're going to see through full military honors National Cemetery, State Veterans Cemetery, if there's any benefits, flag folding, presentation, headstone, we're going to see that through at no cost. So we really believe in making, taking, uh, taking every bit of the, the non-cash benefits that a veteran and their spouse have earned and making sure that they know about it. We'll, we'll even get in a little bit of a bloody knuckle fight with our competitors over who who cares better for veterans when they're trying to sell them a spot in their cemetery that they call the veterans corner when these people are, these people are, are due and have earned um, burial, whether they're cremated or casket buried right. in America's most gorgeous cemeteries, which are the national cemeteries. There are no cemeteries in America, more beautiful, more well-kept and um, special than those than those those cemeteries. So we make a big and their spouse is allowed to go with them. Yeah, so it's exactly not separating right. them. Yep. That's right. You know, so I mean it's a lot it's a lot to give up by not using it. Yep. I get, it. I get cranked yeah. on the phone when I hear that they've that a shopper is calling around and they they say, just talk to a cemetery. My dad's a veteran. What do you do for veterans? We go through the whole thing and they go, Yeah, we just talked to a guy said that they have an area too, but 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 they you know, to use. But if they went to the national cemetery, they're not quite sure if their spouse could be with them. This, they maybe maybe not need that job. You know, I want to get a name, and I want to go. I want to go get really cranky with whoever did that because I of, know because you know, those rules have been around forever. They haven't. Yeah, 
Yeah, it's not like mm, five years ago. It's been no, not new. No. Not new at all. Yeah. Right. All right. So what was the most unique cremain send-off you had? The most I my I not oh gosh. I think my favorite was um we ha uh, had a call from hospice uh and uh the the uh, chaplain just adored our company and she fell in love with the family like caregivers do and referred over when the when the young women came after their mom passed away we brought her into our care um these women were all under 20 uh probably 22 24 28 29 something like that and they just just here i'm looking here i'm sitting with these three kiddos and um they were catholic and they didn't really feel like they wanted to have a mass um, they were thinking about something more celebratory. This was this was early on, uh, 2005, 2006, somewhere in there. And so we weren't really into this mode that we're in now where there was a lot of this was accepted. So just something inside me said, let's just deconstruct what we do. Let's just have a conversation with these three girls. And I said, so tell me, what did your mom like? And they're like, what do you mean? I said, well, if we're going to, you know, let's, let's, let's think kind of outside the box. What do you, you know, just just answer my questions. What, what she, what, what were some things she loved? Was she loved, um, she loved Barbara Streisand. Okay. What else she loved? And just, you know, randomly one of the other, other daughters said when she was dying, she had these candles from this little flower shop called trap candles and she fell in love with them. And so she loved trap candles and, and, um, she loved chocolate covered strawberries. And I said, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to, we're not going to use the chapel. We're going to set up in the front room. We're going to do a, uh, we're going to do trays of chocolate covered strawberries, a chocolate fountain, um, champagne toast. We're going to play Barbara Streisand and we're going to, we're going to light the mantle with, with trap candles. We're going to invite all your, your friends from work. Cause you're, you've got young friends. They were from Florida and moved to Kansas city. They came to the Midwest because the oldest girl played basketball at a small school, big, tall, tall girl. And her, her sisters followed her because her mom came with cancer. They came with to be with their mom, good cost of living. They all, they all moved because of that. So we got done with the funeral. She was cremated. When I called to to tell them that you, they could bring her home, um, uh, they said we're we have, we're going to go back home and we're going to scatter in the Gulf of Mexico. Do you have any do you have any ideas? And I and I said, well, actually, I have a I have a business partner that his business is in Clearwater, Florida. Ironically, on Gulf Bay. Like, yeah, we know where that is. And I said, we fish. Um, a couple times a year, and when we go fish, we scatter cremains in the Gulf. And so, if you'd like, I can either either give you our boat captain's name, or I can let you know when I'm down there next. They said, just let us know when you're down there next, because we're going back. So they went back. Months passed. I called them, said we're going down there. Long story short, we met on the marina. We're going out on the boat. They're on the boat. We we chartered together. We had boxes of other people's cremains. Start to scatter in the ocean. You know, we know they're polarized bone. So they're starting to scatter in this kind of beautiful cloud death density. The, the women are throwing flowers from a memorial service they'd had down there into the water. There was a, a young man with them that I thought was maybe a boyfriend. So the girls, <laughs> these women, um, disrobe and they're in swimsuits mm -hmm. and they jump off the boat into the water in the middle of <laughs> Mexico. And the boat captain and I are flabbergasted. We're 15, 20 miles off the coast. They're in the water, swimming in 
cremains and flowers. And I'm just, I don't know what to say. And the young man comes up behind me, puts his, kind of puts his arm around my back and says, um, our mom was our swim coach. They wanted to swim with her one last time. Oh, how and nice. Thought, that's, that's what I do for a living because that's not on my price list. That's not an offering. So to deny people of that unbelievable experience is denying that I, we really care about how people want yeah. to, know to be honored. And so that changed me forever. And so I have a lot of other little funny ones that we all do that, that are cute and, and um, uh, have great little stories. But that was the one that just, just split me in half and made me. And it sticks with you still. Yeah. And I, and it's, you know, people say, what do you do? Sometimes I'll tell that story and they go, Oh, I, I, now I understand what you do. Right, you know, right, it's, closure. It, it, it's it is. For everyone, but that was a great closure for them. Yeah, tell them that story and they'll rethink about what a funeral director is and what a funeral mm -hmm. is. Pretty. And what they do or right. what we do. Yeah, they and, may never you know, think The value better. is what you put into it. That's right. You know, giving people permission to, to celebrate and honor in in any way that they choose is, is, is an important part of, moving on and that yeah. that's great that's a they really honored their mom that way not only yeah. in the city but in florida as well right it's invaluable invaluable price dollar on it that's you right yeah yeah all right so my final question for you and then i'm going to ask all our guests andrew is what's your edge my edge i think my edge is I think my edge is, is I always look at my company from my customers, through my customers' eyes. I am very critical about everything. I really believe in creating a stress-free physical environment um, for families. I really believe in um, my staff understanding what it means to plan for everything empathetically. Um, you know, looking at where the customer winces what they don't like, what they what, what makes them uncomfortable, makes them feel sad. Um, when we can remove those things and we can do that every time, all the time, I think what we what my edge is is that our I took disloyal customers in 2001 and made them loyal customers. And as long as there's disloyal customers, I can keep adding to my base of loyal customers and grow because I'm always gonna I'm always going to be running my company and my funeral home and my people and my process and my brand through a a a grinder that makes sure that that we see what we do from the customer's eyes not from ours because i think that's where funeral homes really lose focus and right. um, if you've ever done if you've ever done if you've ever shopped your customers and created a compelling story you could really your 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 competitors you can really see the gamut of people that get empathetic design to people that don't and i think that's probably my that's my edge oh great love having you as my guest andrew Go awesome so glad to be here you do. thank you for joining us for today's episode of the digital dialogue series you can find this and every episode in the ogr learning library at ogr.org library that's ogr.org slash library.